This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Each episode I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. This episode, I am talking to Helen Campbell. Hello, Helen. Welcome. Welcome to Freelance Feels. Hello. Good morning and and happy Monday. Yes, happy Monday. It's a Monday morning. Our time check. We are Monday, the 12th of April, 2021. I nearly said 2020 then. 2021. 2020, the year that just goes on for several, several years. Exactly. No, thankfully, we're in 2021. Um, Small businesses are reopening today. We've got all sorts to talk about, haven't we? But I'd love if you'd like to start by telling everybody what it is you do. Do you indeed call yourself freelance? Tell us all about your freelance slash self-employed. Absolutely. So I I run my own business as as a coach. Mm -hmm. So I have my own roster of clients and I also go into, I say go into remotely at the moment, go into corporates and coach teams together. Mm -hmm. And I employ a lot of freelancers. Uh, I don't know if employ is even the right word, but I utilize a lot of incredible freelancers. So uh, designers, BAs, social media experts. So I'm very much of of the freelance world and and in it. Fantastic. And have you always been freelance? Is this something that's new for you or are you a a long-term freelancer? My career path involves working for other people for 10 years mm-hmm. and then for myself for 10 years which is a rather neat little little parcel and then the last couple of years uh, coaching has has really taken over so my coaching practice has become the thing mm-hmm. when I started coaching I was also doing coaching slash PR coaching slash copywriting as as many of us do and mm-hmm. the coaching is has taken such a precedence in my life now that that's all I do in terms of client work and obviously also wrote a book recently so that's that's taken a little bit of time as you can imagine it's it's taken up quite a lot of my days. Tell us the book. So the book is called Founders, Freelancers and Rebels and uh, you are one of the experts in the book as you know so talking from your own lived experience and thank you. It was so much fun I loved going around and talking to people albeit remotely, I spent, well, May, the the first lockdown, I spent the entire month of May writing and interviewing people for this book, which I'd already started writing and gathering. It's interesting because it's full of tips, but it's a lot of it is tips based on what went wrong for people and their 
honesty around their experiences is so refreshing because I think there are plenty of books out there about what to do, what to do right and how to be uh, more productive or how to be more creative. And I looked at it through a slightly different lens. So in most of my conversations, as well as looking at what, what people have learned and, and what what went right we also looked at what went wrong what was a mess what <laughs> what was really really difficult and i think that's where the stories are yeah. whether you're a writer and a podcaster would like the stories are always in the muck-ups and that's where i got the real humanness and i think being being freelance has always been about blending work and life. And, and there's, I don't think there's a particularly clear separation. Our work and our life, it's not like we have completely different personalities for them. Yes. And of course, with the last year and a year and a bit, then that's been in a re really clear focus that, that if you're working from home, obviously it's, it's all there. Um, it, and it's not this neat package and it's not separate. And so I talked to one couple, for example, about their working together and they generally work in, an, in a dig, digital nomadic way. Ooh. And so they have a base in South Wales, but they've been all over the world. So they did talk about doing the Mongol rally and different things. And at the moment they've been, they've been sticking to the UK, as you can imagine. But they talk about the pressures of being a couple that works together mm. and having to go to therapy as a couple because working and living together in a van and traveling around the world or being in a tuk-tuk for days on end together. I put my head in my hands. I'm like, I can't imagine. It's cool, you know? Um, and so those are kind of some of the realities that we talk about in the book. Yes, we talk about finances and branding and all of those pieces. But we also talk about the, the relationships that we have with one another when we're freelancing and especially when we're working and living with a partner or, or um, creating that, creating that squad is another thing that I talk about, you know, creating mm. that network of supporters and who are those people when you're working by yourself. Oh, I love the word squad. I always mm. say tribe, but I love squad. That's kind of cool. That's like assemble, like fists in the air. Come on, free that squad. And it was really conscious for me because we're always all, I think, as a, as a community, I feel like we are part of a community of freelancers and we're always all trying to do better. And I make mistakes all the time. Um, but I listened to a podcast where the interviewee said, I am actually from a tribe. Ooh. And so people using the word tribe isn't great for me because that's actually my heritage. And so, I, and that was uh, Julia Wells's podcast, which is, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, swear, yeah. It's called Wait, What the Fuck? <laughs> it's a great podcast. Oh, I like the sound of that. Isn't it quite a lot? She's Californian, I think. And um, they talk about all kinds of issues around, but it's really good for coaches, actually. It's mainly aimed at coaches and it's a lot around race and diversity and uh, mindset and how to build your business. So I listened to that a lot. And once I heard her interviewing someone who said, I am actually from a tribe and I'd prefer if you didn't say that, uh, then I literally went and did the find and replace uh, function in my book and changed every time I'd use the word tribe to squad as a result of hearing that podcast. Wow. I really love that. Now I'm going to have to think about what to say instead of tribe or squad, so I can't take squad. <laughs> it was a very, oh, definitely take squad. You're very yeah. well. Okay. 
it was um, a very recent learning from me and I feel like there is that vulnerability where we're learning all the time and, and it was mm. a very conscious effort but at the same time I've probably made loads of other mistakes and offended a ton of people without meaning to so I apologize if that's the case yeah, no but the, you know when you find something out and then you're accountable and you change something that's mm. you know the most you can do one step at a time isn't it yes. Yes. How did the book come about then? Because you talk there about the realities and the honesty in the book, the kind of the talking about the, the moments it hasn't worked as a freelancer. Did that happen to you? And then you thought, oh, I want to talk to other people about this. How did it come to be that that was the theme of your book? What, what was the journey to book decision, like in terms of thinking of the theme and that kind of thing? It's interesting because when I was a little girl, there was two things that I wanted to do. And one was to go to America and the other one was to write a book and I went to America when I was 13 to stay with my great aunt uh, traveled by myself at the age of 13 which oh. felt pretty intrepid for a girl from Barrie in South Wales to, to jump on a plane in the first Iraq war as well so it wasn't the best time to fly anywhere but um, I had a whale of a time and the other goal has only just happened now at the age of 43 so there was a, a 30 year hiatus between ambition one and, and ambition two and I am a firm believer that whatever it is you want to do in the world and show up as, whether it's dancing, singing, painting, writing, that you can't wait for someone to come and tap you on the shoulder and ask you to do that thing. You've got to start doing that thing already and putting it out into the world rather than just sitting quietly waiting for the universe to know that, that <laughs> secretly you, you, you'd like to. Oh, damn it. <laughs> And uh, so I started writing every week. I, I think creating a habit around the thing that it is that you want to be known for or that you want to do. So I was writing every week on LinkedIn, every Sunday. Mm. And I did this for, I think, about 30 weeks, roughly. Yeah. Writing mainly about how to win clients, because that's what people always come and ask me. Because I worked in PR for 20 years. And so I've always found it's come relatively naturally. I wouldn't say easily but relatively naturally to me to do the things that attracts clients. And so I've often been asked about that. So I thought, well, I'll put, I'll put that out into the world. And I got some favorable responses and I got quite a, a high number of, of um, readers. Mm. And as I'd been doing this for about 30 weeks, then I, I had a few messages in my inbox from a publisher saying, would you like to turn your blog into a book? And I ignored it because I thought it was spam. Because <laughs> nothing like that really happens, does it? Publishers don't just jump into your inbox and ask you to write a book. You have to have a lot of tears about it and, and rejection. Surely, isn't that the way it's meant to work? And so um, I ignored it. And then a couple more messages came in saying, did you see our message? We'd, we'd really like to invite you to write a book. And so eventually I realized that it wasn't spam, that it was an actual publisher and they're based in the US, it's an academic publisher. And so they, it was really by being asked um, yeah. was the reason why I started writing it rather than pitching it out, which probably sounds quite annoying to people, I would imagine. <laughs> well, you made me think though, and this has been happening a lot. It's funny that you mentioned it because this keeps coming into my brain a lot at the moment that you have to do a and at the time the thing that is a might seem like either difficult or you might not enjoy it or it's like it's not revenue driving so you're like why am i doing a so a is your blogging 
Yes. Well, actually, you had to do A because then they saw it. So yes. they didn't just knock on your door and say, like you were saying before, you know, they didn't just tap you on the shoulder. They tapped no. you on the shoulder because they saw yes. what you were doing. That's so right. they put it out there. So you're almost writing a pitch in real time and putting yes. it out there. So I don't know. I feel like actually it sounds like you did a lot of work that got noticed. Yes, mm. yes. And you're, you're somebody who's putting your work out into the world. And so you obviously recognise the value of that. But it can feel like, I suppose on the one hand, some people might say it can feel like a lot of hard work for nothing if you're, yeah. if you're doing this. But for me, it didn't feel that way because I love to write. And sometimes it's the way that I organize my thoughts. And so being able to organize my, th I also really like attention. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that's why I do what I do. because I, like <laughs> I love attention. And so being able to organize my thoughts and get attention ticks so many of my boxes that so. is brilliant i love your honesty i'm really lovely i've got such a grin on my face because your honesty is just really refreshing you're not like oh i don't know how it possibly could have happened <laughs> like well i like talking about what i do so there we go <laughs> it's just fun <laughs> it kind of ties in a lot with the title with the word rebels and i really wanted to explore that because i mean do you have to be a rebel to be a freelancer is freelancing a rebellious choice can we unpack rebel please <laughs> i for me it is mm. and so my my journey around freelancing was very much it was a petulant move on my part Ooh, i i decided to become freelance because i got made redundant uh, around the time of the the credit crunch which always makes it sound a lot more sweet and kind of it sounds like something from Sesame Street and actually it was a really horrible time uh, so I used to specialize in financial PR hmm. and I got made redundant um, around that time when uh, everybody was freezing their their accounts and all the financial companies were going tits up hmm. and I sort of made a promise to myself I'm not going to let anyone do that to me again I'm not going to let someone else decide when it's finished and, or when I have to move on, I'm going to be in the driving seat of my own career from now on. And so that was the promise I made to myself. So it was definitely a rebellious move. It was like the, you know, the Jerry Maguire moments of I'm taking the goldfish. Um, so that was what it was for me. And also the other, the other side of, of being a rebel, I think is doing things on our own terms in, in a positive way. So maybe, especially as women, maybe some of us have worked in places where we haven't liked the way that women were treated or we haven't liked the way that um, diverse groups were treated or something you know around being able to live to match up to your own values and not to have to make that compromise I think particularly when you're doing something like PR or journalism then you can be called to write and speak on behalf of things you don't believe in as if you do believe in them Yes. And that does not sit well with me <laughs> at all. And yet I definitely worked for brands that I didn't respect. And my way of doing things is I'm very enthusiastic. I'm a bit like Will Ferrell in Elf. Oh. Everything's my favorite. And if you, you know, when I was in PR, if you gave me a project, I would get right into the heart of it. And in, in the book, I interviewed Alex Myers from Manifest. He's definitely got a similar approach where he said he's uh, delivered parcels at five o'clock in the morning and he's put tiles on roofs because those were the clients. So they had a client where 
I don't actually know whether it was a house builder, I should have asked him, but whatever the client was, it involved putting tiles on roofs. So he learned how to tile and they had a parcel delivery client. So he went around at five o'clock in the morning and, and worked out, well, what, what does it feel like to be in this person's shoes? And that's always been my approach as well, is kind of grown up work experience. So I had a Kung Fu client and I did a knife fighting course one weekend. Yeah. That sounds brilliant. See, that's the great thing about freelancing is I know it's hard when you don't know what's around the corner to plan and everything, but then sometimes it's like, whoa, <laughs> cool when something like a knife throwing class comes up around the corner. Knife fighting, but yes, I'm what fighting, you said is incredibly yeah, cool. Sorry. <laughs> it all sounds, I, I think, we're, I mean, we're very full of Monday morning joy and we're being quite jolly, but I guess the, the flip side to this is there are a lot of challenges, aren't there? And there are a lot of like saying, well, we don't know what's around the corner and that kind of thing and I just want to sort of what are the what are the challenges that you've faced as a freelancer and how have you tried to overcome them I guess as a PR and then obviously mm. bringing coaching in that might have brought in a different element what have been challenges for you over the years as a freelancer definitely has brought in a different element and I think with with coaching at the moment something that's really high on my agenda or high in my awareness is that not everybody that comes to me for coaching is going to be a good fit. Mm. And I tend to say yes to everybody because I want, to, I, I, as well as liking attention, I want everyone to like me, which is, <laughs> you know, it's a human instinct. A lot of us have this. And so I tend to say yes to almost everybody that comes to me and says, will you coach me? Mm. I am very, well, I think, I think I'm very warm. I'm very warm. I love to meet people. And I say yes to almost everybody. And I'm starting to think about whether that's a good idea. Maybe sometimes the person that comes to me might be better off with a different coach or with a therapist or with a completely different sort of um, support. Maybe they actually need an assistant because perhaps their overwhelm is because they literally need somebody to help them to you know, manage their inbox. Yeah. And so I think as I develop my coaching practice, I'm probably going to be more discerning about whether I am the right fit for everybody that approaches me. And that's quite a hard thing to contemplate saying clients. Because you're essentially saying you might turn down the possibility of paid clients. Yes. As well. And that's a hard thing, isn't it? Because mm. I guess people are listening thinking, yeah, there's m many of us say yes to everything. Yes. Because you think, well, A, you don't know where it might lead. It mm. might be something that you then do get into. But also, yeah, you're like, well, it's being offered. I should take it. It's yes. scary to say no because you might be saying no to the money that's going to pay the bills that month. That's right. And so there is an element of fear and scarcity that and I talk about this at the beginning of the book I spoke to Katie Cowan who runs Creative Boom and she's oh, yeah. and we looked at the most common reasons why people don't set up freelance and maybe even stay in jobs that they hate because they are scared of bringing it you know being responsible for bringing in their income if you've got a mortgage a family etc etc or even if you haven't mm. then being able to find security in your freelance role when it feels like how do i say this verbally i'm, I'm drawing a roller coaster kind of a roller coaster yeah like i don't know um well since it's sort of snowed today like you're sledging down a very big mm. east in the alps <laughs> i'm trying to see <laughs> and it can feel i think a lot of people use that that phrase feast or famine but yes it can feel like a bumpy toboggan ride 
Yeah, very much so. That's like that. The roller coaster is, I like the roller coaster analogy, even though it's an obvious one and makes people sometimes sing Ren and Keating, because I like the idea that you actively get on the roller coaster. Yes. We're all, we've all decided to get on the roller coaster that is freelancing. I feel yeah. a blog post coming on. <laughs> But it's still like, oh God, what am, why have I got on this? What am I doing? Help, I'm scared. Oh, I'm excited. Yes. But by choice. That's why I love roller coaster. I really like that you said that because I had this exact conversation with my coach, Gillian, about two or three weeks ago. So I have coaching three times a month and I have therapy once a month as well. I've got, I've got it all locked down. I've got all the support for myself because I think if we're going to show up for our clients, Mm. and be grounded we need to bloody well ground ourselves as well first otherwise it, yeah it's just it's all going to fall apart so I have many different ways of grounding myself and, and Gillian is one of them and she was talking about that me consciously making the choice to be on the roller coaster exactly as you said it's not an accident that I'm on there and as soon as I get off I am like that little kid full of candy floss that runs around and says I want to go on again so I've just finished my book and I'm now arranging a very stressful <laughs> and exciting um, event next year, which is going to be all about diversity, which is going to involve me signing up to be a charity director. Wow. And I've literally, there was an overlap between finishing the one project and starting the new project. So I'm definitely back on the roller coaster already. I've, and I've barely caught my breath from the last ride. Brilliant. You're like, it's like you're at a theme. Maybe freelancing is a theme park. Mm. Off the roller coaster and you're like, shall I have a rest? No, I fancy the waltzer. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, what have I done? <laughs> I was feeling so yesterday was Sunday I don't mm -hmm. I don't usually see clients on a Monday but I do see clients on a Sunday afternoon and I got up and I was feeling a bit I didn't have much energy yesterday mm. and I was listening to the radio and because they've changed the schedule because of um, Prince Philip dying it wasn't as upbeat as normal and mm. so I didn't get my energy I usually get my energy from Karis Matthews on a Sunday and she was being lovely but she wasn't quite as jubilant as normal because they they changed the, the format and so didn't get my energy from her even though I enjoyed how sort of soothing the program was went for a walk by the river didn't quite get it I was like what's going on jumped into a client call and I was flying I was like yep yeah. <laughs> I get my energy from other people mm -hmm. and so I don't know about you but a lot of people will say oh you need to take a break you need to take a rest and sometimes I do but equally I get really energized by mm -hmm. these kinds of conversations yeah sometimes it's not about just sitting still is it it's about doing something different or mm -hmm. what else do you do to relax how do you find that balance that's a, a good thing to mention mm -hmm. actually how, how do you find a bit of balance what do you do for the self-care and the relaxation when you do try and switch off I do I meditate every day mm -hmm. only a sh for a short amount of time I journal every day I go for a walk by the river every day. So those are kind of my non-negotiables. They have to happen. Cool. I used to go swimming once or twice a week. And of course, with the pools being closed, and I'm not one of those brave cold water swimmers. I do like jumping in the river when it's really hot. <laughs> I love jumping in the river when it's hot. So I'm very excited about getting back in the pool when, when the pools open again. And in terms of, yeah, being able to switch off, I went on my own around lots of different parts of America uh, at to, towards 
and I went to Alicante a couple of times as well. I've got a friend there and I love, I love traveling by myself, mm. but then stopping in to see people. So I like to build myself a route where I've got these sort of breakfasts and lunches and dinners and things, but I'm also on my own schedule and I'm in charge. There's a bit of a theme here, isn't there, with the freelancing? Well, I was thinking that sounds great, like freelancing, like I can do about even a week by myself, but knowing I've got, say, in the real world, a coffee meeting or a lunch on the Friday. Well, yeah. I had it down for four days. That's exactly, yeah, you made me think of that. <laughs> Very much so. And in the same way, so I set these little kind of pit stops for myself. So I went to San Francisco. This was obviously all before uh, lockdown. I went to San Francisco to have breakfast with a friend that works at Google. I went to San Diego. It was so cool. It was super fun. And I went to San Diego because a friend was at a work conference out there. And so we, we hang out. But also I had time by myself as well. I went to New York a couple of times. I've got some friends over there. And even things like... Um, well, I love, I love meeting new people. So uh, one time I went to New York and my brother knows the guy who runs a music magazine out there. And he said, oh, you should just go to his studio and like have a coffee with him. And he was, he was completely happy about that as well. And we talked about some creative ideas and things maybe for a future event. And I love going to see, if they'll have me, I love going to see other people at work. So being able to go to that music magazine and go to see my friends at Google and have a bit of a tour around and then where else did I go? Oh yeah, I went to NASA. What? <laughs> now we've talked actually, that surprises me less now, as in I'm, <laughs> I'm getting the gist of Helen's life here where it's like embracing things and I love that. Went to NASA. Yeah. <laughs> For coffee. So, um, a few years ago, my my brother one of my brothers is a pen and ink illustrator. He's incredible. And he's got a group of friends who are also illustrators. It's a very niche world of mm -hmm. um, limited edition screen printed art, which is poster art, which is mostly to do with music or film. And long story short, so he has a friend called Kevin and they've done um, conventions and things like that together. And Kevin lives in Austin in Texas. So my, part of my amazing plan was go to the South by Southwest Festival in Texas, mm -hmm. hang out with Kevin and go to NASA. Except South by Southwest got canceled between, between me buying the ticket and buying the airline tickets. It got canceled because of COVID, except the, uh, it wasn't at the stage where you could claim back any airline mm -hmm. tickets. It was in that in-between time where they were starting to talk about, oh, we might be closing some things down. And I was already traveling around the US anyway. So I was already out there. And so I went to, to Austin, but there was no South by Southwest. But um, yeah, so I'd met uh, Kevin through my brother. He'd been over here for Christmas to Hay on Why, and I'd hosted a bunch of different people for, for Christmas Day um, a couple of years ago. And that was kind of, that was my first meeting with Kevin, was in Hay on Why on Christmas Day. And uh, we went for a walk to the top of a mountain and drank some champagne on Christmas morning. It was really, really fun. And my second meeting with Kevin was going to NASA. <laughs> so, wow. And in between um, all of that, in between flying over and going to NASA, um, Kevin and his, his wife have just had twin babies as well. So <laughs> we've managed to all pack a lot in in the last few years. Yeah. So, uh, Mm. oh I love these stories it's like, oh my goodness the things you get up to it's like do you think is that how you thrive as a freelancer I love the idea like you're almost it sounds like you're living that kind of life that people imagine freelancers live where we're all like I'm on a plane I'm out here and 
but there is that flexibility isn't there and do you is that what keeps you going as a freelancer and is that what keeps you in a positive mindset is is being able to be so out you know going and meet somebody somewhere very random as much as you can so curious Mm. so curious that I I love to go behind the scenes of everything. I always have. I've always been the person behind the scenes in the theater when I was little, uh, helping to organize things or paint the scenery or whatever, you know, when I was in school, I wasn't just ever, I was never just sitting in the audience. I was fairly, I'm not saying this to be self-deprecating. I was fairly useless at singing and dancing. So I would do something like paint the scenery or make the props or do the stage direction or whatever. And I've always preferred to, to know how things work rather than being um, an audience member. Mm. I've always wanted to be involved. And so when I I finished university, I went to Glastonbury for the first time as a volunteer for Oxfam. So I went for a whole week. I was there before all the stages had been completely set up. I was there when, because somebody has to show the people in who are going to set up the stages and the stalls. Of course. Yeah, I mean, it's a year-round operation, isn't it? I've been to Glastonbury Farm out of season and just walked around, like, for very, for very random reason, but which I won't go into. But, yeah, being there when it's not, when there's nothing and it was just this, the outline of the pyramid stage, is, it's yes. kind of spooky when it's not full of people, isn't it? Because it's like this other life that the festival lives is... That's right. And it's really beautiful as well to see this gorgeous valley suddenly become like a mini city, really. And so... That's kind of a metaphor in a way for how I do everything. I always want to know what's behind that, what's underneath it, what happens before that happens. So what's at, what's at the very start? And there is an analogy here with, with coaching and getting under the skin. Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to make that money? Why do you want to put that product out into the world? What's the real reason? Mm. And what brings you joy and satisfaction? Like I always want to get to the heart of that because what we say that we want to do is not is not always where our motivation is coming from you know we might say that we want to uh work in a certain sector or industry or we might say that we want to make a certain amount of money but at the end of the day you know money's just pieces of paper or or numbers like what's that money going to bring you Mm. or what's what kind of satisfaction is putting that project out into the world going to bring you and is it about doing it fast or creatively or joyfully like how do you want to do the project and I think being able to work for yourself enables you to be in charge of all of those factors Mm. I really love that like oh that's made me really we were talking about writing books which we'll come back to now because obviously you want to talk Mm. a bit more about your book and then the idea of writing a book and beginning it like you were saying in the beginning and it's kind of like yes why do you want to write a book because some people might just say well I want to write a book because I want my name on a book but other Mm. people might say well I want to write a book because I want to help people or it might be well I want to write a book so I sell loads of books because I'd like to be a writer to pay the bills like an income choice so there's lots of them and I was going to finish off by asking you for advice and I was thinking well probably on three levels I guess so I'd love a piece of advice for people who are thinking of writing a book um on perhaps how to get started like like you did you sort of in previous you did Mm. and then perhaps maybe a piece of advice for someone who's thinking of going freelance and then a piece of advice for someone who is thinking of getting into coaching because I obviously yes. that was a pivot for you so yeah. if you're happy to do a three-pronged a hundred percent what about people who are thinking well, I want to write a book damn it what, 
absolutely I seem to have magnetized to myself quite a few people who want to write books and so what I've done is created a new product which is a group coaching project for people that want to write books and the way that that works it's mainly around accountability so Mm -hmm. I truly believe that the secret to writing a book is to create a writing habit that's not I say a secret it's not a secret it's that you know I think pretty much anyone a couple of years ago because I've been I've been writing this book for a couple of years and a couple of years ago I bent into a, a local writer in Hay Ian Finlayson and he doesn't mess about with words and he said Helen, the only piece of advice I've got for you is put your bum in the chair and write. And that was it. You know, we were standing in the middle of the street and I was hoping for this kind of mystical sort of passed down through the generations advice from one writer to another in the book town of Hay on Wye. And he just said, sit your bum in the chair. Brilliant. So creating a writing habit and having some accountability is really really helpful mm. so with the group that i run we well i have two groups and they, they run concurrently because we had we had too many people i like to be able to see everybody on the zoom i don't necessarily like doing those zooms where you've got pages and pages so mm. try to keep it manageable so i've got two writing groups we meet once a month and we are accountability for one another i also invite into the groups people that they're going to want to meet so publishers agents uh, PRs for, for authors and so on, because there is that networking part, whether we like it or not, it's really important. There's no point in writing a book and sticking it in a drawer and shutting the drawer. Sadly not. Uh, there is a get it out there. Yeah. It out in the world. So I help people with that as well. And Brilliant. as I say, I don't think it's a secret, but creating a habit itself is, that's a challenge for anybody to create a new habit especially when you're not immediately being paid for it. You're sort of thinking, well, you know, you're using up time when you might be doing paid work thinking, well, is this going to, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. And I'll get all the details from you when we finish up about where people can find your courses and and your books. So don't worry, we'll we'll tell everybody all the places. And what's your piece of advice for someone who's either thinking of going freelance? Yeah. Someone who's thinking of going freelance. I was going to say either or has just gone, but let's do thinking of going freelance. If people are thinking of going freelance, I have, this is, this is dealt with quite early on in my book. So my piece of advice for people thinking of going freelance is that the priority, as far as I'm concerned, has to be getting your first client. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will take some time thinking about a beautiful logo or what they're going to call their, their business or their brand. And I love, I think all that branding stuff is super important. I don't think it's the first thing that you need to do. At the end of the day, whatever I choose to call myself, people are going to say, go speak to Helen. You know, I could call myself any business name on the planet that I wanted to. But to the people that refer me to each other, I'm still going to be Helen. And so getting that first client essentially has to come above everything else. Because when a client wants to work with you, in general, they don't actually care what you're called, whether you have an orange or a lemon on your logo, whether your email signature has got some really fancy design on it that, that spins around and, and uh, <laughs> is animated. They don't care. They just want you to do a really, really good job for them because they're coming to you because they've got a problem and you can help solve it. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, branding is important because branding builds trust and it, it also shows that you're serious and it does all those other things. It doesn't have to come first. Getting a client who's got a problem that you can solve, winning that client, 
getting them to pay you what you're worth for it. That's the task. And everything else can slot into place after that. Brilliant. Perfect. That's great. And finally, what about if somebody's thinking of coaching? Of Ooh. becoming a coach? <laughs> to ask. Like me, I've just begun that journey. So I'm <laughs> on that journey. I think uh, with coaching, and this is kind of going to sound ironic because I've just been talking my mouth off to you this morning, but I've actually got, you could probably can't, Oh, I have to turn my wrist around for you to see it the right way. I've got the word listen tattooed on my arm. <laughs> so, um, and that's a reminder to me because I'm little miss chatterbox. If you want to become a coach, practice listening on a different level. And, you know, it almost, yes, there's lots of amazing courses you can sign up to and absolutely do the training, do the exams, jump through the hoops, do all the stuff because that's important. But Practice listening on a deeper level is the best thing that you can do, I think, if you want to become a coach. Oh, oh Helen, thank you. I really love that. I'm going to, I love your tattoo. I've always <laughs> wondered about having a word tattooed on my wrist. I'm like, oh, you dead to do that. Oh. I got it in, uh, in New York. And um, <laughs> I went to this really, it was, I went to this really lovely, it's called, the, I think it's called the Sketchbook Project. Um, it's a museum where people, and it wasn't far from the tattoo place, that's why I was thinking of it. People order sketchbooks and then they fill them and they send them back and then they get catalogued and you can go and look at other people's sketchbooks and there are all sorts of different themes around. You could look up something really serious, like people might have sketchbooked about anorexia or something or grief, mm. or people might have sketchbooked about dogs and cats or anything and you can look it up by topic. And it's really cute. I love as well as, as meeting people that um, I have connected with over the world. I also like going to unusual exhibitions and unusual museums and, and galleries, not necessarily the ones on the beaten track. I love that. Oh, wow. Brilliant. I'm going to Google that. The Sketchbook Project. Yes. Brilliant. Lovely. Everyone look that one up. That sounds brilliant. Helen, thank you so much. Um, tell us where we can find everything, that, all the things you've been talking about. Tell us all the places that people can follow, buy, subscribe. Oh, thank you. If you look up, uh, well, probably the best thing is just to look at my name, Helen Jane Campbell, and most of the things will come up there. Yeah. Um, my business is called Coaching by Helen because I just thought let's <laughs> let's keep it simple and say what it is. And the book is called Founders, Freelancers, and Rebels: How to Thrive as an independent creative. And I also have a Facebook group of the same name, which is Founders, Freelancers and Rebels. And I do free workshops on there every month as well. So all the value, there's lots Brilliant. and lots of value in there. And where can people who are the book course, or if they want coaching? Oh yes, if, if you are an author, and I'm, I'm embarking on a 12 month journey with my, with my authors. Um, one of the groups is only one month in, so there's definitely still time to join. You've got 11 months left of value. Uh, just email me, um, Helen at coachingbyhelen.com and I'll, I'll hook you up. Fantastic. Very exciting. Well, all the best with the book. Thank all you. The best as bookshops start to reopen, yes. people can actually go into bookshops yes. and order your book. So that is a joyful thing for us to be able to say, Absolutely. I think. And it was so lovely to talk to you this morning. It's made my day. Pleasure. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com and for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.